Let's go. What is that? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Christmas time, holiday time, Hanukkah time, Festivus time, basketball time in Tennessee time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on Wednesday night. We'll be running it on Thursday morning here, which is just in about 38 minutes from now. But of course, it'll be Thursday morning while you're listening to this. So happy Thursday morning to you. Hope everyone's Christmas was great. Hope you got to see uh, a lot of the a lot of your family and friends, loved ones. Got to see a lot of the kiddos open some presents and have a good old time. Take some pictures, have some eggnog, argue a little bit, whatever it is that you do for the holiday season. Hope it's been a good one. I know there's not a bowl game for Tennessee, but still some good college football on the television and a lot of good basketball to watch if you're a Tennessee fan. We joke all the time, basketball school, right? Basketball school. But in all seriousness, Tennessee has a really good basketball team right now, ranked 19th in the Associated Press poll after uh, over the weekend, a 79-60 win at Wake Forest, taking the Vols to 9-2 and overall, headed into SEC play. And those two losses are a couple of close games uh, against two of the top 10 teams in the country, including the number one ranked team in the country, Villanova. So pretty good, pretty good start for Tennessee this season. Pretty, pretty good, as Larry David might say. A lot of, a lot of good stuff for this team. This team's playing good basketball, and not everyone on the team is playing great. That's, that's how deep this team is. Uh, there's a lot of lot of exciting things about this, and I know the SEC is tough this season. And, and Tennessee's opening schedule is is really tough. Tennessee's first few SEC games are are no joke. Starting with Saturday's game at Arkansas, anyone who knows anything about SEC basketball can tell you that Bud Walton Arena is always a really really tough place to go play. Uh, and you look at Arkansas this season; that team is so good at home and so kind of you know mediocre away from home, but uh, tough news for Tennessee is that it has to play Arkansas in Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville over the weekend. So it's going to be a sold-out game there. It's a loud place, a tough place to play. But if you're Tennessee, you can take some solace in this. Tennessee has uh, been a pretty darn good team on the road this season. Uh, has won on the road against uh, you know three ACC teams, uh, you know, including the the exhibition win there at Clemson, which is kind of sneaky, a sneaky pretty good team there. It's unfortunate for Tennessee that that game can't count in the in the rankings, uh, in the Ken Palm rankings, and on the NCAA tournament resume, because and in the RPI, because that would be a pretty darn good win. But the guy who can who can explain even more about this team to you than I can is Grant Ramey, our our fantastic basketball beat writer, uh, and he and I sat down uh, to talk a little bit about this Tennessee team, about last week's two and O trip, about winning. Uh, at home against Furman, against a sneaky good Furman team, and then going on the road and just kind of thumping Wake Forest in the in the second half. So there's a lot to discuss. We'll we'll talk about the where Tennessee is right now, uh, sort of where uh, who's playing well, who's not playing so well, what the team's doing well, what it's not doing so well, and we'll talk about what needs to improve and what needs to just kind of stay on the same track for Tennessee heading into uh, SEC play starting with this weekend. So here's Grant Ramey and I talking a little Tennessee hoops. 
Well, Grant, this has been a an interesting week for Tennessee basketball. You know, the, the Vols had a, you know, what I think most people would call a, a promising performance, but a disappointing finish against North Carolina. And since then, Tennessee has uh, maybe had a, a little bit, maybe a tiny bit of a hangover there uh, during part of that game against Furman, a decent Furman team. And but then took care of business in the final couple minutes and then had a really nice finish uh, in that win at Wake Forest over the weekend. How would you kind of wrap up what kind of week this has been for Tennessee? Uh, Let's go with uh, a mature week, um, which is a weird kind of way to describe a a week of basketball, but I think it's a word that Rick Barnes uh, sounds like something he would use because uh, maybe they weren't as energetic as they should have been against Furman uh, Wednesday coming off that North Carolina loss, but uh, to bounce back on December 23rd and, and to go to Wake Forest, not a bad basketball program, obviously an ACC school, uh, ACC opponent you're playing on the road. And, and to play the way they did in the first half, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking there's no way Tennessee wins this game when Grant Williams got two fouls, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bowden, they all have two fouls early. John Fulkerson picks up his third foul pretty quickly. I mean, Tennessee, it looks like I wasn't sure if they are going to have enough players to, to finish that game and, and to play the way they did in the second half and, and to run away and, and win that game by 19 points, the biggest biggest road win that Tennessee's had under Rick Barnes. It's a, That's a mature way to finish the week, to put North Carolina behind them and, and to find ways to win a, a couple quality basketball games. Yeah, I guess I should point out that, that you were at that game in person, Wake Forest. I was not. We had a, a family Christmas there in Nashville, so I got to, to sneak away. Sorry about that that solo road trip you took there. But, uh, you know, you were there in person, and – but on TV, as I watched it, man, that, that finish was really impressive. You know, to, to go on the road and a, a pretty tough place to play, a pretty tough opponent, and, and to go there. And uh, Wake Forest had been playing a lot better basketball recently, and Tennessee just still flat took it to them, kind of crushed them in the second half. And that was after, you know, kind of withstanding things in the first half and somehow having a lead when, you know, half the roster was in foul trouble. Yeah, and I think that's the key, was withstanding the first half. Uh, I don't know what the minutes are. I don't have them in front of me, but you know, Grant Williams didn't play a ton of minutes in the first half. Admiral Schofield didn't play a ton of minutes in the first half because they both picked up those two quick fouls. And I've never seen a foul on the opening tip like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, funny. I mean, that's incredible. 1959 and Grant Williams already had a foul uh, because the ref said he, he went a little high with the elbow uh, when he initiated contact there. But the big thing was Jordan, Jordan Bone gets fouled with 6.1 seconds left in the half. He hits both free throws and since he goes to the locker room uh, with a one-point lead. I think I thought that was a big deal just kind of uh, in terms of momentum, letting them kind of feel like, you know, they, they're still in control of this basketball game despite a lot of stuff going against them, being on the road, uh, playing an ACC opponent the, you know, the day before Christmas Eve, all, all the kind of the distraction stuff that, that you worried about went going into that game. And, yeah, the second half, it seemed like a, a completely different basketball team. They they were more uh, disciplined defensively. They didn't send Wake Forest to the free throw line as, as much as they did in the first half. And I think they ended the game on a 13-0 run, something like that. So uh, not only is it a road win, but it's, it's one you can put on your resume as a 19-point road win uh, at Wake Forest, which will, which will help them uh, when they're, if they're still in this conversation in March. Yeah, and I think there's probably not much we need to say about that Furman game because there was such a big game against an ACC team over the weekend. But 
that Furman game was important. That's a team that won the Southern Conference last season. You know, I used to cover the SoCon, so I got kind of a soft spot for that league. And, you know, you look at all, all the teams in that league causing problems. You know, Wofford goes to North Carolina and wins the same night uh, that Tennessee played Furman. Uh, Mercer, you know, almost took it to uh, Alabama. There, there's some pretty good basketball in that league. Chattanooga always puts together a solid team. We all know ETSU can play uh, under former Tennessee assistant Steve Forbes. So, so there's a lot of pretty good basketball in that league. And and for that that opponent that night, that was a that was a tough game in the sense that that Furman is a very experienced team, a very disciplined team, and a team that 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 always has kind of that guy who scares you, which is the hometown guy that your program didn't offer. And those guys kind of tend to to fill it up when they're playing against those hometown teams that, that didn't offer them. And but I think the only important thing from from that game to mention really is that. You know, Tennessee did kind of show some maturity there toward the end. And after the way Carolina ended, you know, it was fair to wonder. Uh, and then you, you start seeing all these stories about Tennessee's record under Barnes and close games. And, and it's not a great look. But in that game that night, Tennessee found a way to win that game. Yeah, and I think it's something that you said after that North Carolina game uh, during post-game interviews, something about how do you – I think it was to Grant Williams, how do you not let this game beat you twice or beat you more times down the road? Uh, if you do get hung up on it, it felt like uh, they they kind of learned their lesson from that performance, the way they fell apart in those final two, three, four minutes, whatever it was, to hold and to bounce back and to hold firm and scoreless in a game that was uh, 61 all, and you're wondering who's gonna who's gonna flinch first, who's gonna step up. Tennessee had obviously had had trouble in those kind of moments, and that was a decent firm and basketball team, uh, an older, a more veteran firm and basketball team, the new one to what they wanted to get done, how they wanted to do it, but to hold them scoreless and to, and to kind of bounce back from that North Carolina thing. I thought that was a, uh, it's a, it's a step that's not going to get, uh, get a lot of attention, but it felt like an important step for this basketball team. Yeah. And I guess we, we should mention his name. I talked about him earlier, Devin Sibley, the former Knoxville Carnes high school star who it looked like every time he touched the ball in the second half, he was going to score. And for a guy who was only about six foot one, six foot two, whatever he is uh, to, to continually get to the rim and to score against Tennessee when his outside shot wasn't falling. And despite knowing that, that he was sort of the, the fulcrum of everything on that offense, that, that was impressive to me that, that Tennessee found a way to kind of at least contain him a little bit down the stretch. Cause he was, he was killing him in the second half. And the other thing about Furman and our coworker, Danny Parker mentioned this, and I watched a little bit of the game afterward uh, because one, that's kind of what my life is sometimes, and and two, I really wanted to see what you know to make sure uh, that I knew what Danny was talking about. And that Furman team did play really, really hard. That and people always say, "Oh, well, you should play hard." Well, you know, I I remember I go back to what Rick Barnes said a couple times over the past couple of years: playing hard is a skill, and to to play that hard to be kind of that veteran team that goes out there and every single loose ball they're throwing elbows in there and they're 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 fighting for position and they're hustling down to get back on defense and they're they're running their stuff on offense the way it needs to be run and being disciplined and and they really did play hard they were a tough opponent that night and, and I don't think Tennessee played great but I think Tennessee did enough and, and that obviously got them to what most people would say is the more important game. I know Barnes won't like hearing that, but the, the more important game uh, clearly on that schedule or the tougher one was going to Wake Forest. And, man, the way they finished that game was impressive because Wake had been playing better basketball lately. I know that team you know, was ranked early in the season and had a lot of hype and, and has all those good guards and has a couple of legit big men. And, you know, it, it looks like that team just kind of hasn't figured some things out right now, but that's not a bad team. And, and Tennessee really – Really impressed me. It didn't. It, it didn't. I guess I'd say it, it should. 
you know, maybe surprised me a little bit that Tennessee didn't make a little bit of a jump in the polls because I know a lot of people were watching that game and they were they were pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for just going on the road and winning against a Power Five opponent, uh, regardless who it is. And obviously, Tennessee's lost at home to North Carolina, and they lost on a neutral side court uh, in the Bahamas against number one Villanova. I mean, those are obviously two losses that aren't going to hurt you a lot. But the fact that they did go to Georgia Tech in early December and, and kind of withstand some runs and, and kind of go back and forth with a, a Georgia Tech team and, and find a way to win that one, and then to go to uh, Wake Forest at the end of the month and, and not have a lot of stuff go your way the first half, but to still kind of control the game, uh, not a ton of ter- um, uh, nervous moments, and just kind of pull away and win the way they did. I mean, that's a big deal because you're winning road games in December. Uh, that, that's a big deal because you're going to a sold-out Bud Walton Arena on Saturday, uh, a really tough SEC opener against Arkansas, a team that scores, you know, on average 90-something a game at home. And they're always tough to beat in Fayetteville. So if nothing else, uh, this team has been good away from home uh, and found ways to win games and kind of control games and, and kind of grow on the road when in the past – uh, anytime this team went on the road or this Tennessee basketball program went on the road, you you had a lot of a lot more question marks than you had answers. Yeah, it's funny that, that when you look at these things, you know, a lot of times if you look kind of at, at exhibition games or early season games, you know, some people say they don't mean as much and that you you prove a lot more later on in the season as you grow and you you develop. And and I think all that's very legit, but. We saw some things in that game, that exhibition game at Clemson, that were a little bit of a kind of maybe a sign of where this team was going in that, you know, Tennessee didn't play that great that day, was a little bit scattered at times. But late in the game, it kind of had a little bit more discipline than, than we'd seen because Clemson was kind of whittling into that lead and looked like Tennessee had won the thing. And then Clemson all of a sudden starts charging back in the last few minutes. And, and we start thinking, wow, this looks a lot like last year. But they found a way to kind of hold on and win that one. And, you know, Furman kind of felt a little bit kind of a little bit like that game. And, you know, there's just signs that, that this is still the fifth youngest team in Division One basketball. But it's a team that's grown up from last season and getting guys like James Daniel on the floor late in games. Uh, and now you maybe see a little bit of the impact on that in that look at the way Jordan Bone finished against Wake Forest. Look at some of those plays he made late. And, you know, if James Daniel's not there to push him every day and and, and Rick Barnes isn't there to to kind of play Daniel in some of those late season or, or late late game situations early in the season, maybe that doesn't push Bone to make some changes. Yeah, and, and what's incredible, going back to that exhibition, I mean, Tennessee's going into SEC play on Saturday having played five ACC teams and winning four of those games, even if that Clemson exhibition doesn't count, obviously, towards the towards your win-loss record. Uh, that's going on the road, and, and regardless of how many people are in the building, finding a way to, to win that road game. And you're right, it did look a lot like last year when they had a you know, 14, 15-point lead. seemed like they were in control. Uh, the home team starts punching back, gets kind of momentum. The, the, life, uh, the building comes alive, gets a little bit of life in it, and they just kind of collapse. So the way they won that game, I mean, that was what James Daniel – uh, pivoting out of that that trap, you know, like three a triple or four team, times, yeah. yeah, before finding Admiral Schofield down the floor, uh, and that was kind of the the game clinching uh, play. And then uh, you go to Georgia Tech, who who's the guard that carries them? It's Lamonte Turner. Uh, then you go to Wake Forest, and who's somebody that steps up and kind of really changes the game the way he played and was aggressive? And that was uh, Jordan Bone. It says something to the depth of this team. Uh, the the depth of uh, the the options at guard, 
Uh, I guess it could be kind of concerning because you don't know who's going to step up and who's going to do what night in and night out. But the way Jordan Bone played at Wake Forest, the way he was aggressive, the way he's penetrating the offense and kind of setting up for others, even kind of hitting some mid-range jump shots, which he had struggled to do for uh, most of the early season. I think that's a, that's a good development for Tennessee when you're going on the road to Arkansas. Uh, because night in and night out in this league, uh, your guard play is going to carry you a long ways, especially on the road. So uh, they have those options there. It's a matter of uh, who can step up. And, and the good thing for them is they've been tested so many times uh, against quality, you know, ACC opponents. Yeah, and, and don't sleep on that Clemson team, y'all. If they're thinking Clemson, uh, yeah, it's just Clemson. Clemson right now is eleven to one overall and is twenty-two in the Ken Palm rankings. So that Clemson team, I mean, that game won't count for Tennessee in the rankings. It won't count for them in the Ken Palm ratings either. But that's another kind of quality win for this team, and, and this team is is kind of they're starting to reach that point where you go, you know what? Maybe they are just pretty good. And you look at how young they are, and it's easy to, to maybe put the cart before the horse a little bit because they got to go into SEC play and, you know, they, they got to survive some of those games when they're not playing well on the road and against those SEC athletes. And I get it. That, that is a change. But, you know, the way that, that Bone is playing, I think could be huge for Tennessee because he does this just enough. You know, I've said this before. People who are frustrating, the players who are frustrating are not the players who always play badly. Or they're not the ones who, you know, I've said this before. If you, if someone is worth frustrating, worth getting frustrated about, that's that person's talented enough to make you frustrated. That's that's where the frustration comes from with Jordan Bone is that everyone knows exactly how good he could be, and when he doesn't do it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for Barnes. You know, we don't even really care who wins the game, but it's just frustrating to watch sometimes a guy who's that talented you know, do some of the, the things that he does and disappear for long stretches. But, you know, he can get to the rim almost at will. He's so athletic. And if he can score the ball just a little bit and, and distribute it well and take care of it, the point guards are what make – you know, this Tennessee team is going to be pretty good no matter what. But the point guards are what's going to make this team really good. If this team's going to be really good or great, it's going to have to get good guard play. And when Bone plays like that, you see how good they can be. Yeah, and, and what what's the old adage in coaching that, that, you know, a player should be worried when a coach isn't coming at them in practice because that means they don't see anything there that they're trying to get out of them. Yes. Uh, when, when you watch Jordan Bone in practice, the way Rick Barnes hammers him daily, uh, I think you walk away amazed that this kid hasn't transferred. I mean, nobody gets road harder in practice. Nobody's under a, a more intense microscope. Uh, than Jordan Bone. That's the way it is with Barnes and his point guards in general, his guard play, but specifically Jordan Bone because he believes he's one of the more talented players on this roster. Uh, night in and night out, he's going to be uh, the fastest guy on the court, and he has that ability uh, to get to the rim. The frustrating part that you're talking about, he just hasn't been able to finish at the rim. Uh, and the, the jump shot kind of comes and goes. Sometimes it looks like... It's such a beautiful uh, shot, too. <laughs> I mean, sometimes... It, go back to Vanderbilt last year, the way he... He shot the lights out at Memorial Gymnasium, and I think he had something in the low 20s, uh, hit a bunch of threes. I mean, he changed that game and, and carried Tennessee in that game. Or you go back to his first couple games, I uh, can't remember who it was, Appalachian State and somebody else last year, where he you know, he had 20-something and, and 10 assists over those first two games. Uh, and then he just kind of comes and goes. That's the problem. He's, he's still – got to find that middle ground, that consistency that, that Rick Barnes is looking for. Otherwise – uh, he's going to stay under that intense microscope because it's 
it comes and goes so much. But when it's there, when he's, you know, scoring 10, 12 points and, and creating offense for other guys on the floor, uh, that's a pretty big difference maker. Uh, partly because I think you kind of know what you're going to get out of James Daniel. Uh, he's not going to score a ton of points, but he's some, he's going to take care of the ball. He'll have a couple assists. He'll hit, knock down a couple shots. He'll play good defense. But uh, if you're getting quality minutes from Jordan Bone, I think that changes things. I do think, although I, I keep thinking in the back of my mind that James Daniel's going to have at least one, if not two, 30-point games this season. Just the way that he can score sometimes, <laughs> if the team needs him to score and he has one of those hot hand games, man, he can score in bunches. Uh, you know, it's kind of like he's got that, 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 that Lamonte Turner quality to him to when that shot's going, it's going in no matter what's going on. And I really like, I really like that. But but I'll say this about Bone before we move on is that I, you know, he's frustrating. But I'll say this for the kid: he is tough. And I say that because people are saying, "Oh well, if he's so tough, why is he not more consistent?" Grant Grant mentioned this a little bit earlier. If you watch on a daily basis just how much stick he gets from Barnes. There's days where I'm like, there's no way he's even showing up tomorrow. There's no way he's not going to come in the gym tomorrow. He just won't, and he shows up. He shows up on time, shows up ready to work. And when you get it that much from Barnes, it's not fun. It's really not. You, you look, I mean, we kind of laugh at it sometimes, but we're not the ones on the business end of it, you know? <laughs> Watching it in person, you go, wow, you got to be tough to play point guard for this guy. And Bone shows up every day ready to work, and he's got that toughness to him. I, 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 really, I really respect that. I do. And he's committed to, to be here and to put up with uh, the intensity that, that comes at him. Uh, he, he is 100% committed. Uh, to himself and his teammates in this program because, yeah, like, like you're saying, there's not a lot of people in this world that could uh, put up with it day in and day out and, and keep coming back for more. But but kudos to him for uh, being seemingly a, a mature, tough-minded young man because he keeps coming back and, and handling his business. And I guess we do need to, to mention also that, that since we're going to mention, you know, Bone for stepping up his game, it looks like Admiral Schofield might be coming back around too. I don't know if it was the – the shoulder kind of bothering him for a while or, or what it is. But, you know, that, that mid-range jumper, when that thing's falling for him, he's a really tough player to guard because he can go to the rim because he, he, he can overpower kind of smaller guards. He can dribble around and, and go around if they put a bigger guy out there on him. Uh, he's a nightmare mismatch when he is on. And when that mid-range shot's falling, then you can't sag off on him and you got to go respect it. And he becomes a really tough player to deal with. And, and when he's finishing like that, uh, th that's a big thing for this team. Yeah, I think Admiral's, I think his biggest strength is catch and shoot, uh, whether that's mid-range and three-point line. It seems like when he catches and shoots, he's better than, than when he's kind of creating his own shot off the dribble. Yeah. Uh, do that. I think I think it still kind of drives a lot of people nuts that, that he pulls up for that mid-range because it isn't there all the time uh, when he can be so good in terms of getting to the paint and finding a high percentage shot. Uh, I think that's one thing that that could help him be a little bit more consistent. I'm not, uh, nobody's ever, you know, con confused me with Dr. James Naismith, but I think if he did uh, try to kind of drive a little bit more than settling for that mid-range as much as he has early in the season, that, that he can kind of be a, uh, not Grant Williams type of footwork in the paint and finish, but, but he can find those high percentage shots and score those high percentage shots because it seemed like last year when he, uh, before he made that move to the wing, that was more of his strength and more of the shots he was looking for. I think if if he could do that, he would be big. But I mean, the big thing is, you know, he had two rebounds against uh, North Carolina. Uh, two. That that's just even if you're moving to the wing, even if you're still adjusting to that new position and and all the different angles and and, and the places on the floor that you got to be when shots are going up. 
that for the, for the build he is, for the mismatch he can be, it's it's unacceptable for him to have two rebounds. So uh, he goes out and he has 13 against uh, Furman, and he had six at Wake Forest. So uh, 19 over two games, that's, that's much more uh, what he should be doing, or maybe that's kind of the ceiling of what he should be doing. But uh, bottom line, He's, he's scoring a little bit. He's, he's been a consistent scorer, double figures, uh, all but one game. Uh, but when you're rebounding, playing defense, and, and impacting the game in more ways than one, I think that's when he, he really adds value. Yeah, and, and I feel for, for Admiral on that mid-range thing because, you know, all these guys want to have a future playing this game. And, and while on one hand it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, well, he needs to put the team first and all that, I mean, no one questions his work ethic. He works as hard as just about anybody on the team, and he's sort of obsessive about his work ethic. And that's why I think Barnes gives him a little bit more leeway with some of that stuff because he knows how hard Schofield works at it. But, you know, this is a guy who's about six five, wants to have a career playing beyond the college level, and he's not six eight or six nine. I mean, if he wants to to have a career, he's going to have to be able to hit that perimeter shot. And I understand why he wants to show that he can do that. I mean, selfishly, I guess I, I do understand that. But uh, if that's not falling for him, uh, it's not. He's got to realize that he's not one of those guys who's going to maybe shoot himself out of one of those performances. He, he's a guy who, when that thing's not falling, I think he's got to look at the other ways he can score and help the team. Maybe, maybe that's yeah, a, and that's a good point. Uh, no, 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 that's a good point. Uh, that That is 100% accurate. If, if he has a future uh, at the next level, whether that's the NBA or, or other uh, areas of basketball, he's going to have to hit that mid-range shot because he's just not that guy uh, in terms of height that, that, that can bang around in the post and, and do the things that even, you know, Grant Williams is not that much taller, but but the, the length Grant Williams has and, and the get-up he has, the way he can get up over defenders if he needs to, that's, that's a difference maker for him. And, yeah, you're right, 100% Admirals got to prove that he can hit those mid-range shots to add value uh, to the next level. You know, the one thing I'll mention about Grant Williams is, you know, there's times where we keep trying to figure out exactly why is he so good. And, uh, you know, one one benefit to being able to – usually I, I cover the games wherever they are, but, you know, this time I was uh, in Nashville for, for part of the, the other side of the family for Christmas. And so I watched the game, and, you know, the analyst on the game, I, I forget who it was, but brought up a couple times that – uh, when Grant Williams does that kind of spin shot and you wonder how he gets it over that seven-footer, it's because he's kind of twisted around and, and, and started releasing the thing before the other guy even really gets his hand up. While he's like mid-spin, he's starting to get that thing up. And it's really, really cool to watch them kind of super slow-mo that down and show it to you because it helps you understand just what, what makes him so good in some situations. I don't know if that's just his natural shot or if he knows that's how he's going to get it over a bigger guy. But that seems to be how he does it, that and, you know, just freakish strength. But it's really kind of cool to watch these guys kind of slow it down and show you what he can do. Yeah, and I believe that was Jay Billis on the call Saturday. Yeah, that would have been uh, why at, it was so smart, actually. Yeah, At Wake Forest. Uh, another big thing with Grant, I think he, he, he's got that release uh, because he knows, you know, he's, he's, he's lived as an undersized forward uh, for this amount of time. He kind of knows the way he has to get away with stuff in the post. Uh, being a couple inches shorter than than whoever's guarding him night in and night out, I think what doesn't get noticed enough is uh, the way he can move people around uh, in the post uh, and the way he uses his those spins and 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 kind of getting his shoulder in there and, and clearing a little bit of room and and once he creates that space, if he if he gets eye line with the rim and he goes he starts going up and and he can find it and stuff, I mean it's uh, he's as consistent as it's going to be and it's it's been interesting to watch him uh, continue to be as productive as he's been. 
despite more people focusing. You know, he's not sneaking up on anybody this year. The way he did stuff last year, maybe it caught people off guard. That's not happening this year. He's even, you know, even the focus of, I guess, double teams at time in the post and, yep. and stuff like that. And, and he still found a way to produce, which is, uh, speaks volumes about about the way he can play the game. But Barnes knows exactly what he's talking about when he says that so many things in Grant Williams' game are focused around where he catches the ball because he can beat you off the dribble and do some other things when he catches it kind of elbow or high point. But when he gets the ball low on the block, you're done because he can go left or he can go right with that kind of spin hook shot. He can go through you. He can go over you. If he catches the ball, you know, right there, maybe in that kind of three to five foot range, you're done because he's just so hard to stop there. You're going to have to be like seven foot three to, to kind of, you know, you're going to have to be one of those bowl bowl type guys to kind of turn that thing around because uh, he just finds a way to, to have success. And, and, you know, before we move on to, to the guards, I, I, I do think we need to mention that uh, Tennessee does not win that game on Saturday without Kyle Alexander and the way he played in the first half. And, and, and he's kind of a guy like Jordan Bone, and I think he actually shows it even less than Bone, but, but he shows you in spurts why people get so excited about him and why Rick Barnes believes so much in this kid. Because imagine if he was what he should be right now, which is a, a third-year sophomore or a redshirt sophomore, whichever jargon you prefer. But when he can do some of those things, when he runs down the court with his hand-eye coordination, with the way he can finish, with the way he can time and block shots, and the way he can recover and transition and block shots is just unbelievable. And without him in that game in the first half, there's no way that I think that they that they win that one. And, and you say, well, they won by 19 points. Well, it's a different game if they're going into the second half down 10. And without Cal Alexander, they might have been going down 10 at the half. I mean, he played, I think, that well in the first half. Yeah, and it was a six-point game with, you know, four and a half minutes left. It just so happens that uh, Wake, Wake Forest didn't score a single point in those, those remaining four and a half minutes, and, and Tennessee goes on a 13-0 run and, and wins by 19. But, yeah, it, it was good for Kyle to kind of see that uh, that rebound from him, obviously not a physical rebound, the actual rebound in his game, a uh, terrible pun uh, intended there, because he kind of did find his way into Rick's doghouse a little bit because – you know, he didn't get back enough on de- uh, defense against North Carolina. He gave up a couple of easy buckets. Uh, he kind of, quote-unquote, wasn't engaged in the game enough or whatever, how Rick uh, quotes it. Uh, to see him kind of bounce back, he didn't do much against Furman either, and I think that was a little bit more of a uh, matchups kind of thing than anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the way he blocks shots, it's a natural thing for him, even though he's kind of still not uh, 100% natural in the game of basketball at this point. Uh, and the way he is disciplined defensively just to go straight up and alter shots and, and not give up a cheap foul, uh, I think that's one of the more impressive things. He, he'll go straight up, and, and you got to shoot it around him, which obviously is, <laughs> shoot it over him is not easy when he's 6'11". You know, he's got a 7-foot-plus wingspan. Yeah, and Grant Williams also was really good about going straight up. And, and I'm this could be another topic for another podcast down the road, and I'm sure it will be. But at some point, I don't know when, but at some point, Grant Williams is going to have to start getting the benefit of the doubt on some of these whistles because uh, you talk about star treatment and how, oh, referees shouldn't treat different players the same. Well, they do. And when you're a star, especially like Grant Williams, I've never seen a guy who's such a good player have so many questionable foul calls called against him. It's to me, it just it makes you wonder if there's something on film that other coaches are seeing and they're getting into the ref's head before the game starts or something because there's a lot of times where he's going straight up or, or he's just stronger than another guy and he's getting a foul called on him. And, uh, you know, Tennessee struggles when he's in foul trouble, but if he gets legitimate fouls, uh, that, that that's just his fault. But 
I, is this this might just be a thing that that kind of bothers me, but but the guy gets a rough whistle a lot, and I wonder how many more times he has to dominate a game before he starts getting a little respect on that front. But that's just something I've noticed recently. I just it, it sort of it, it sort of makes me scratch my head sometimes. But yeah, I, and and he's and regardless of how it's getting called against him, he's got to figure out a way to stop picking up two fouls in the first 10, 15 minutes. I mean, that that hurts his team too much. Uh, it hurts his game too much, the way he's got to get extended uh, minutes on the bench after that. Uh, regardless of, of what they're calling or how they're calling that game, even if you're you're getting a foul called on the opening tip uh, exactly one second into the basketball game, uh, you got to figure out a way to, to, to avoid those early fouls and, and to be a little bit more effective early on. Yeah, and, and speaking of things that are not going well for Tennessee, you know, it's kind of funny because even when Tennessee's playing well, even when most teams are playing well, uh, this team's got so many options that, that you think, oh, man, everybody's playing pretty good basketball right now. Well, they're not, and I'll tell you who's really in a rut right now is the uh, frustratingly inconsistent Lamonte Turner who, you know, I'll give him credit for this. He may be making his shot. He may not be, but by God, he's going to take him. And uh, that's usually a good thing for Tennessee this season. It has not been the past four games because uh, if you're if you're the kind who gets kind of queasy thinking about some things, you're going to want to turn away when you hear this. Uh, here are the past four games uh, for Lamonte Turner: three for ten shooting, one for eight, two for nine, two for ten. And in that stretch, he is zero for three from three, zero for five from three, zero for four from three, and one from seven from three. So in the past four games, that would be eleven, sixteen. That's one for nineteen from three in the past four games. And uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, Rick Barnes said he might have been pushing a little bit there and, and trying to for- force his way through it, but. He's rebounding. Uh, he's got 19 boards in the past three games. He's finding other ways to help this team, and, and and kudos to him for that. But, man, he is struggling right now to shoot the basketball. And and the, the crazy kind of head-scratching, you know, mind-boggling thing is those four games followed Georgia Tech when he scored 24 points. Uh, I think he was 3-for-8 from the three-point line. He was 9-for-9 nine nine at the foul line. Uh, Tennessee doesn't win that game. Uh, at Georgia Tech without Lamonte Turner, they probably lose by 10 or 15 points without Lamonte Turner. Don't beat Purdue uh, without that, him either. Yeah. yeah, in that game in Atlanta. Yeah, earlier in the season too. Um, it, it's really it's it's a head scratcher. I mean, it's 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 you wonder why he has as much freedom as he has in the offense uh, when he's struggling that much. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a credit to the player that he's kind of become over the off season and kind of grown and, and got more trust from his coaches. Uh, to be able to take that number of shots uh, despite that many misses. But, I mean, you you need that guy uh, in your offense. You need that guy not to be scared to take shots, uh, not to be hesitant because he's proven in the past that he can make those shots uh, at a pretty good percentage. It just ha- uh, so happens right now. Uh, he is he is really, really in a really bad slump. Uh, but, yeah, credit him for having nine rebounds against who was it, North Carolina. Yep. I think he had six uh, the other day, something like that, at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So even when he's not scoring the basketball, uh, even when he's struggling to hit shots as much as he is right now, at least he's, you know, he's he's not losing track in the game. He's he's staying, uh, staying focused and, and finding other ways to impact the game. Yeah, because he he's getting up these shots. He's not playing thirty minutes in these games, guys. He he got up ten shots in twenty two minutes against Lipscomb, eight in twenty four minutes uh, against North Carolina. Here's my favorite. Nine and seventeen minutes against Furman, and ten and twenty-six minutes against Wake Forest. So, you know, I I, I know this that, that Barnes is not the first coach I've seen who does this. But the guys who work the hardest on a consistent basis, they get the most 
you know, sort of, I guess, the longer leash with some of these things. You know, if you're a freshman or a guy who hadn't proven much in, in, in practice and you're taking all these dumb shots, he's going to get all over you. But Lamonte Turner and Admiral Schofield, as hard as those guys work every day, and they are both insane workers, I mean, they're almost always two of the last guys to leave the gym every day and some of the first to arrive every day. And maybe that's why they get a little bit more leeway. But, you know, at some point, and I like this too, Barnes is a guy who says, you know what, take your shots in the flow, and if you don't take them, I'm going to bench you. If you're not making your shots, I'll be the one who pulls you out of the game. You know, you go out there and you shoot like you're going to shoot and take the shots you shoot, and if you're not making them, I'll get you out. That's my responsibility. So when you earn that, you know, I, I like that he lets his guys try to be themselves a little bit, but, you know, the, the guy who he needs to get more shots out of is the guy who is so disciplined almost to a fault sometimes, and that is Jordan Bowden, who is second nationally, I believe, and first in the SEC in three-point shooting percentage at a let me see if I got this right he is shooting at 61.9% from three point range right now 61.9% problem is he's only taken 42 in 11 games and this kid he is so unselfish he's such a great kid everybody loves him for a reason but goodness gracious discipline is one thing this kid has got to get up more shots he was five for five all from three against Wake Forest. And you you just wonder why will he not just be a little bit, a little bit more aggressive sometimes on offense? Because this is a guy, Grant, I, I think who could score 17, 18 a game. Yeah, and it, it seems like when he is finding his shot and hitting a three, it's in a really, really big moment uh, for Tennessee. I mean, they were, I think it was a six-point game. Wake Forest uh, in the second half kind of, uh, I don't know, past the midway point of the second half. Wake was trying to rally and, and kind of get back in it. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of noise in the gym and, and stuff like that. And it gets late in the shot clock and, and Jordan bounds on the elbow and he hits a three. And, and just like that, it's a nine point game. And uh, a couple possessions later, uh, it's really late in the shot clock. The ball finds him at the top of the key. And, and as soon as the ball, you know, is going through the net, the, the shot clock buzzer sounding in the background. I mean, those are, those are kind of backbreaker kind of scenarios where you're, where you're hitting those threes and extending leads. Uh, later in the shot clock but I mean yeah I was sitting there at Wake Forest after he made his first two and I looked in the game notes and I almost had to do a triple take because I couldn't believe he was shooting 56.8 percent from three-point line entering that game obviously we knew that how well he'd been shooting the game but 56.8 is pretty staggering Um, with uh, as many minutes as he plays even though he doesn't shoot a ton as much as his team relies on him to be that guy that that draws defenses out to the perimeter uh, to be shooting that percentage and then to go to Wake Forest and go five for five and, and to just kind of continue to play uh, out of his mind. I mean, it's incredible, but, yeah, you're you're definitely right about, you know, he's a good kid. Everybody loves him. Couldn't happen – really, really couldn't happen to a nicer kid. <laughs> I mean, he's, he is uh, he is the Absurd, environment of – Absurdly nice. Yeah, I mean, you you can't walk in the gym without that kid saying hey to you, even if it's like a, a complete stranger. But, hey, you know, man, that's how you a, doing today? Yeah. That's a, and he's always got that big grin on his face too, for for whatever reason, because he's he's probably always up to something. But yeah, you're right. I think one of his strengths is that he waits for the right shot. Uh, it's almost like he's, it's it's more discipline than hesitation. I think. Yep. Uh, he, I agree. He, he's he and and the crazy thing is, uh, you you want him to shoot more. It's it's kind of maddening when he doesn't shoot more because of the way. He's such a pure shooter in the way he's been knocking down shots lately. But one of his strengths, I think, is is the bad looks that he does pass up uh, to maybe get somebody else involved or 
or to just kind of keep the offense flowing and not disrupt the flow of that offense. But I, I think that's his biggest strength is, is his discipline over everything else. Even when he's shooting the way he does. I mean, when you're, when you're a basketball player and, and the rim is looking as big as it is for him right now, I'd, I'd say you want to shoot it every time you uh, get the ball in your hands, but credit him for being disciplined and, and finding the right shot uh, over and over. Cause he's, you know, obviously he's not an old, you know, veteran basketball player. You know, Seems like he is, but he's not. Yeah, that that's kind of the story of this program. You're 10 games into your sophomore year, and it's like you're a veteran. I mean, he's still, you know, 10 games into his sophomore year. And and the scary thing is uh, they're just now starting to draw up plays for him. Everything that he's gotten, as Rick Barnes said Saturday, is because he's found the spot he needs to be in the offense at the right time and the right possession uh, to be open to get the right shot. I mean, it's not because they've drawn up plays to get Jordan Bowden the basketball on the perimeter. He's found it in the offense he's played off his teammates. And Rick Barnes said Saturday that they put a play in for Bowden uh, last week. They didn't run it against Wake Forest, but that's just kind of the point they're getting to where they're just now uh, starting to draw up plays for him in the offense to, to get him more involved because everything he's done so far is as impressive as he's been the last couple weeks. That's just him creating his own stuff in the offense. Yeah, and he's a six-five guard who can put the ball on the floor and finish well above the rim. He's a really explosive athlete, too. I think people forget that because he's such a good three-point shooter, but that kid kind of glides through the air. He's a great athlete, and he's doing all this despite always being the guy who guards the other team's best perimeter player. So he's doing all of this despite putting forth, you know, he plays as many or more minutes than anybody on the team except for Grant Williams. And he plays that many minutes for a reason because Rick Barnes trusts him. And, you know, there's so many nights where he puts most of his effort into the defensive end. And offense is just kind of like, well, I'll go out there and shoot 62% from three, but whatever, it's not a big deal. And, and he just, you know, it's frustrating only because you see what kind of player he can be. Now, maybe if he shoots a little bit more, he's probably not shooting 62% from three, but it's probably still helping Tennessee more if he's taking more shots and other guys are not taking as many shots. That's probably something that would help Tennessee. So, you know, it's weird that he's shooting 62% from, from three and, and 43% from two, but, you know, I, I just I think that kid, there's almost never a time when it leaves his hand that I go, yeah, that's, that, that's not going in. It just every time he shoots it, it's like, yep, that's got a chance. As soon as it leaves his hands, and you know, a place where Tennessee could use that grant is going to Bud Walton Arena because, and it's always been this way since uh, Mike Anderson's been there at Arkansas. You know, Bud Walton's a really tough place to play, always has been. Uh, but this Arkansas team, like it usually is, is just hell on wheels in Bud Walton Arena and really mediocre pretty much everywhere else. Because you look at this and the couple of losses for this team. One against North Carolina in Portland, lost by about 19 points. The game was maybe a little closer than that, but still a 19-point loss. And then at Houston, a 91-65 to stinker on the road against Houston. Uh, but you look at the the scores at home, and it's it's terrifying. 95-56, 101-73, uh, you know, 92-83 uh, beat. That was on actually on a neutral floor against Oklahoma, which is a really good basketball team. Uh, then, then to go out there and, and it's 9266, 9579, 8863, 10469, 9568. Uh, this team is scary, scary, scary at home. Uh, not so much on the road. Uh, if you're if you're Tennessee, you'd much rather see these guys in Knoxville. But th- that Arkansas team, man, that that could be a high scoring game over the weekend. I know Tennessee plays pretty good defense, Grant, but th- that could be a barn burner. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, congratulations, Jordan Bowden. You're shooting. 
uh, 62% from the floor. Okay, now you need to go to Arkansas. And uh, night in and night out, he's going to draw the best uh, the best guard on the opposing team to, as a defensive assignment. Uh, now you got to help shut down a team that that uh, scores over 90 a game at home, and you you're going to be relied on to hit a bunch of shots because since he's going to, uh, you would think have to score a bunch of points to to be in this game uh, late. Uh, it's a really good Arkansas team. It's a sold out arena. It's been sold out for for over a week, so it's going to be a it's going to be a really fun environment for the home team, a really hard environment for the for the visiting team, uh, but. I mean, Tennessee's got to find a way to, to be competitive and, and stay in this game late because Arkansas has had their number. It's been a long time since uh, Tennessee beat uh, Arkansas on the basketball floor. And I don't I don't know what Tennessee has done to the league office, but, you know, three years ago they had to open up uh, against Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Uh, last year they had to open up against Texas A&M, uh, obviously picked pretty high in the league. And uh, this year they got to go to Arkansas to all to open their SEC schedule. So, I don't know who they they pissed off, but uh, they need to apologize to somebody. Yeah, they they got a tough one here because I mean, you look at some of these guys, and they're just they're good players. I mean, Barford, Macon, uh, Anton Beard, who I think has been there for forty five years now. Uh, he, Anton Beard has been there. I think he played for uh, he might have played for Nolan Richardson. Uh, I think he he's pretty old. Uh, and then you know Gafford, the, the, you know they've got a lot of good players on this team. A lot of guys who you know you got one, two, three, four, five guys averaging at least ten point five points a game. Uh, and you got a couple more guys averaging 6.5, 5.7, 4.9, like Arkansas always is. Uh, under Mike Anderson, they're going to play a lot of guys. They're going to throw a lot of bodies at you. That shouldn't be the issue for Tennessee. I, I think the issue for Tennessee is, you know, Tennessee likes to tends to score in bunches. And when Tennessee will go through a really long lull, and then it'll have a lot of those 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 two to three minute stretches where you just can't stop them. And, and you, you can't have a couple of those really, really tough kind of long scoring droughts when you're playing Arkansas because they're going to score there. Uh, they're going to score at Bud Walton. They're going to put the ball on the rim. They're going to put the ball. Uh, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to get out in transition. They're going to run, and they're going to press you, and they're going to score the ball. So you, you can't have any of these – you know, you can maybe have one, but you can't have more than that of those long scoring droughts, or else th- that team could put a hurting on you in Fayetteville. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a really good test of of what Tennessee wants to be, and that's a defensive basketball team. Uh, they they want to be known for their defense more than anything, and, and they want to get as many. Uh, their their focus obviously is to get as many. Uh, they want three straight stops, and they want to do that seven times a game. They want to find they want to string together three consecutive stops on seven seven different occasions. I don't think there's a there's many games on the schedule that will test that theory uh, and that effectiveness. How much you can do that, how productive you can be defensively, and and how efficient, uh, like Arkansas at Bud Walton Arena. So uh, that's that's a not only is it a really really tough test just to start SEC play, uh, but it's going to be a really tough test against what they want to be. Uh, their strength and this kind of is a it's it's kind of a theme early on in the the SEC schedule. I mean. Uh, Auburn's 11 and one right now. That's who you open with, up with at home on January 2nd. Uh, Kentucky comes January 6th. Uh, Texas A&M's in there. Uh, they're the number five team in the country. This first seven, eight games, something like that, of the SEC schedule, uh, is going to be a really, uh, a really big test. A bunch of different tests uh, in the way the, the opponents uh, play basketball and, and kind of skill levels and, and what they want to do. But uh, they're going to lose some games in the stretch. Obviously, oh, sure. I, I don't think they're. They're, they're anything like a you know a five or six loss basketball team anything like that, uh, so you kind of got to take your lumps and and kind of see what you look like coming out the other side. But yeah, it's it's going to be a, uh, the the biggest test maybe of all of them 
Uh, if not, if it's not Texas A&M or Kentucky at home, it's it's Arkansas on the road. Yeah, and and you look at sort of where, you know, you you look at where this this kind of schedule is, and and it hits you like a hammer that that this is actually a. If you don't think the SEC is a lot better this season, just look at that schedule. Look at those first few games. I mean, it, this thing's going to come at you pretty quick. Uh, th- this SEC schedule uh, is no joke, and this SEC is no joke in basketball. And like you said, Grant, I mean, there could be a really good, uh, a really good team in the SEC uh, that that goes ten and eight in league play. I mean, it, it's th- that's I think what kind of league this is going to be this season. And you look at the RPI and everything, and you see a lot of tournament teams potentially in this league. So the good thing for the SEC is that once you get to your conference schedule with a with a pretty good conference RPI, it usually doesn't go anywhere from that point because you're just playing teams within the conference. So there's not a lot of chance for movement up or down. So that that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. And right now it's a good thing for Tennessee uh, and the rest yeah, of the league. And, and the good thing for Tennessee is they're nine and two entering SEC play with a lot of quality wins, and and their two losses are you know a combined 14 points to to North Carolina and Villanova. So not only have they have they kind of taken the steps they need to take? They've also been winning basketball games while they do it. I mean, Tennessee could afford to go ten and eight in the SEC and and maybe beat Iowa State in the Big Twelve Challenge, and then you're a twenty win basketball team that I don't think there's any question you're in the tournament uh, with the resume and the stuff they've done this year. If they do win twenty games, uh, and ten of those are in the SEC, and obviously it was a big deal for North Carolina to come to Knoxville and that was a sold out crowd and all that stuff. But when you start looking at the SEC schedule. Uh, Kentucky on January 6th will be a, a lot of people in the building, obviously. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, uh, maybe a week or so later, that's a, that's the number five team in the country. That's going to draw a big crowd in Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, later on in the year, you have Florida, teams like that. I mean, there are going to be a lot of marquee matchups uh, in this SEC schedule. And, and and fortunately for Tennessee, some of those are at home, and, and maybe they can take care of business. But, uh, yeah, you you got to survive this first seven-game stretch, kind of see what you look like after that. Uh, and go from there. And Tennessee, as we all know, is a basketball school, so everyone will be, you know, completely fired up about all this. I mean, we, Bas- we joke all the time, but it's basketball school, Grant. Basketball, lady balls, basketball, and softball. Yeah, that's kind of what they got going on there. But, you know, I'll say this, too, about before we get out of here, about that Arkansas uh, team, is that if you are Tennessee, uh, my recommendation to you would be to get to the foul line a lot. Uh, because if this gets into a free throw shooting contest, Arkansas shoots at about 69% as a team, Tennessee about 76% as a team. So uh, if it gets into a free throw shooting contest, Tennessee's probably going to be in pretty good shape. I would say that. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a really, really fun atmosphere, a really, really good test uh, for both teams because, I mean, Arkansas is not ranked. Obviously, Tennessee is at number 19, but Arkansas was the – uh, kind of 26 in the poll if you go by the receiving vote stuff. So these are two, uh, at this point, highly highly ranked, highly thought of uh, basketball pros. It's going to be a really fun test to, to start SEC play. Yeah, and if you're looking at the Ken Palm rankings, which, again, it, to each their own, but I kind of value the Ken Palm rankings more than RPI or more than uh, AP or the coaches poll. I'm kind of a Ken Palm purist. And uh, Tennessee's 19th in the, Ken, in the Ken Palm rankings and Arkansas's 24th. So by any measure, these are two good basketball teams. So uh, it's going to be a fun one. We're going to have lots of live coverage there from that game. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, Grant. This is a this is gonna be a fun basketball season for Tennessee, I think. It's uh, it's it's been interesting for sure. I would have lost a lot of money uh, if somebody offered me a nine and two schedule. I mean, a nine and two record at this point in the schedule, because uh, I would have I would have uh, I would have probably laughed at that. But no credit them for uh, being one of the obviously one of the surprises of the SEC. Not only that, but of uh, 
college basketball to this point. Yeah, it is going to be. It's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a fun basketball season. We'll be bringing you a lot of that because it's a, clearly it's a basketball school, so we're going to be doing a lot more basketball podcasts and, and basketball things. But in all seriousness, we will have, uh, I believe on Friday morning, we'll have our weekly football podcast, and we'll have a ton uh, to bring to you there, a lot of recruiting news for Tennessee. Uh, it's been another busy recruiting week for Jeremy Pruitt and his guys. We'll talk about that, and then we'll be back next week with another Hoops podcast to talk about uh, where this where this team is going into SEC play. It's going to be pretty fun. We'll see you all tomorrow.